0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Hi, this is Nate Blazing with the Missile Guide League, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Well, it is great to once again have the National Walleye Tours national champion and uh, Angler of the Year on the show. John Hoyer is back. John, thanks for joining us today. Kevin, thanks for having me as always. Um, so since you uh, won Angler of the Year and won the championship, then you went and did uh, the international competition for a second straight year. So tell us once again what that, e- the name of the competition uh, and 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 how it all plays out.
1: Um, yeah, so the name of the competition is the World Predator um boat artificial championship, basically. So, um, you know, that worldwide stage has a whole bunch of different tournaments that are all sanctioned by, I guess, in, in essence, it would be like how there's like an Olympic um, committee, basically, that puts on the Olympics. So um, with this, you know, there's a fly fishing one, there's a bass fishing one, there's multiple ice fishing ones. Um, and then there's kind of different species, but ours is, so it's artificial baits only. And then wherever we go, uh, we're fishing for the three most prolific predators in the system. So generally like the last two years I've gone, it's been the same three fish, uh, Xander, pike and perch. So, uh, last year was in the Czech Republic on, in essence, just kind of a medium sized river system. And then this year was in Riga, Latvia. And again, a really industrial area reminded me a lot of the Detroit River as far as the sights and sounds. But the chain of lakes that was connected to this, you know, coastal waterway um, reminded me kind of a Lake Winnebago where there was shallower, you know, lakes that were all connected by channels. So, um yeah, and then that whole system connects into the Bay of Riga, which is mostly brackish water, and then eventually as you go further west into the Baltic Sea. So um, I don't expect anyone who's listening right now to be able to pinpoint that <laughs> ge- uh, geographically because I'll admit I had to like basically Google where Riga is as I was flying in. I'm like, oh, that's where we're going.
0: Yeah, I would. It, it, I was gonna say it's not like you could say, yeah. Oh, I fished this system a number of times in the past. I mean, this uh, this is you're flying in blind pretty much, right? Yeah, for sure.
1: Really, the only you know similarity is obviously the the species of fish. So you know, you know, Matt, no matter where they live, they're gonna have some similarities. But um, once I
0: tell you how we finish, you're gonna probably not believe what I was just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but uh, tell me, uh, first of all, the rest of your teammates and, um, and how many nations were involved. Uh, this year there was 14 or
1: 16 uh, nations, and then we each had two teams. So they're two, two-man teams, and um, so two of us in each boat, and then like Team USA... Ryan Buddy, who fishes the National Wally Tour and a lot of Lake Erie stuff, him and our other friend Nick Schertz, who also fishes the National Wally Tour, they were in the same boat. And then Max Wilson and I um, were teammates in the same boat. So there's the team tournament, which is the biggest part of it, and then there's individual, you know, the individual teams also get awarded medals too.
0: Okay. Um, and and how did it go for you guys? um we ended up basic. what were we we were middle of the pack so i
1: think max and i were in you know 12th for the individual side of it and then overall i don't know if we were even in like the bottom third mm. or maybe ninth or something afterwards i didn't want to look at the results <laughs> i know they weren't handing me these huge trophies there wasn't uh fire in essence fireworks going off when they hand, you know <laughs> called our names. so uh it, it is amazing the passion so like this is basically the super bowl for all those other countries and you know for whatever reason the US hasn't you know they've participated this is the ninth year i believe so they've participated for seven of those nine years um but the reality of it is like those other anglers i mean They all have media guys walking around with them. They're filming it. And I think it just – my take on it is they don't have the $100,000 tournaments like we do. So -hmm. that's why this one, for $0 but bragging rights, um, is, you know, in essence their World Series of Fishing.
0: Right. And and I'm guessing that most of those teams, probably being European teams, have maybe – but It's, you know, it's easier to get over there and, and, and do a little pre-fishing, you know, and, and probably they fish there more times than you have.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and there's like an off-limits period kind of directly, immediately before our two days of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, or was it three days of practice? It might have been three days of practice. But there's an off-limits period, but then there's, you know, pre-practice where you hear these other guys, they were there for two weeks. A lot of teams were there for nine days um, pre-practicing, and it didn't show in their results. You know, um, it wasn't like, oh, the Lithuanian team was there for 14 days, we heard, and then they took first. Um, But, yeah, they're definitely putting in the effort that reminds me of, you know, how serious we take a national wally tour. You know pre-fishing for seven days at least and that's the majority of the reason why we're handcuffed um you know myself especially I learned twice as much about how to catch Xander in open water this year and that was just from the two days of additional you know two more days of fishing forum and then three days of tournament fishing you know by the end I was five times the Xander fisherman that I was last year when I left the Czech Republic so um, that's overall why those guys excel. And the other thing is, I mean, they're amazing anglers. They have all the technology we use. I think that they're even a year or two advanced on average. Uh, like with forward-facing sonar, um, they have like live scanning poles that they have a little foot pedal associated with the forward-facing sonar they deploy. And yeah, they understand all that stuff. So they're great anglers. It is not easy to do well in that tournament.
0: And you told me, again, it was, uh, it's Xander, perch, and was it pike that were the three species?
1: The dreaded pike. That's probably part of the reason why we haven't done well is because I basically refused to fish for pike. <laughs> and, um, but the pike did play this year. The guys that won, um, they definitely caught pike on the final day, and that's what clinched it for them. But it seems like the last two years, everybody targets pike so much in Europe that those are like the hardest fish to catch, it
0: seems. It's so weird to me that, you know, you have perch and pike way over in Europe, same same fish we have here in North America. You know, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's cool. The perch are definitely, you know, a, a little different genetic makeup. Okay. But in reality, like where we were fishing, you know, they had to be, the translation was probably like 10 inches or even 11 inches to be legal, you know, size to measure, Um. But, you know, when you saw somebody come in with 40 perch on day one, they had a lot of those, you know, 10, 11, 12-inchers. But then also a guy caught one that was, what was that thing? It was like 20 inches long in practice. Like a giant three-and-a-half, four-pound perch. Yeah. So they're there, but overall, perch will always be kind of, you know, a numbers
0: game, no matter where you go. Sure. What about... um xander what is xander uh well xander's actually gotten
1: some pretty funny press i think in the last 10 years there was um there was like i think some people that were arrested for serving it at a restaurant and basically taste wise yeah you can't really tell the difference but i think the fda obviously makes it illegal to say you're serving walleye when you're actually serving xander um but, yeah, so, I mean, they look a lot like a walleye, almost identical. But the thing is, the two bodies of water we fished haven't been as clean as the waters that we're used to fishing walleyes in. Um, I know we've all fished wa- walleye in dirtier water, and that's where it really kind of starts reminding me of Xander, where, you know, in essence, you're kind of spoon-feeding them. But, you know, for summertime walleyes on the Great Lakes or Leech Lake, you know, Mille Lac, somewhere we got six, eight, nine, 10 feet of visibility, you know, walleyes, they'll move a long ways for a bait. We've talked about before, like the aggressive things you can do to catch a walleye where it seems that the Xander, they're just, they are not that aggressive. When they, when you make them start chasing a lure, they're literally losing interest by the second. So the one cool thing we figured out this year, and we had a little help from our, uh, the guy we were borrowing the boat from is, you know, you want to drop that lure right in front of the Xander's face and then it's almost like a free meal that is just sitting there. And when they bite it, it they're the greatest bites you've ever felt on a spinning rod. Mm. But it just happens so few times. It's like one out of 20 completely inhales your bait the second you swim it over the top of them. And then the other 19 just follow it forever and never bite it. Um, so, yeah, a fun challenge. They they really kind of remind me of muskies, the way they're so kind of cocky or arrogant, like they don't need to eat, basically. <laughs>
0: cocky like muskies that's a great Mm -hmm. description
1: (laughs) i've always said muskies were cocky they always act like they own the lake you know they don't have to bite they can catch your lure whenever they want you know that that was always kind of my take on muskies
0: that's a pretty accurate take i think yeah yeah (laughs) so so does canada have a team as well canada does not have a team so we're the only north american team in this tournament every year Yeah, in that one,
1: um, you know, you look at the bass thing and then Canada's represented, Mexico is. um, But, yeah, bass isn't really ever on the list for that World Predator Championship.
0: So will the World Predator Championship ever uh, ever originate in the States? Yes, that's the big picture
1: plan. Um, We had it slated for Green Bay, and that was like that COVID year. So it was basically Mm -hmm. supposed to be here, I think, in... 21. Um, And then all that got kind of flipped upside down. They kind of scrambled and uh, maybe I was 22. So then they came up with the Czech Republic. And then um, I'm not really involved in the happenings of the scheduling and all that stuff. So, but
0: there's been talk where, yeah, we're trying to get a bid for it um, two years from now. That would be cool. I think that'd be real exciting to have that come to the States. It would be. And those guys from Latvia—they set the bar so high at the awards meal,
1: and like the, the way they catered to us, and the introduction, you know, meeting, and all that stuff. So, I was telling our teammates, when we do it in the U.S., we gotta, we gotta lay the trump card down, basically, um, you know, and just do it double as. Double as big because that's what they would expect if they came to the U.S. You know, yeah. Like we need a pyrotechnics guy, we need a DJ, we need this, we need a sushi chef. You know, we need to go big. So it's fun to talk about if we, you know, if we can get it here.
0: Oh, that would be that would oh that'd be great. That would be cool. Well, uh, have you have you had to do any uh, big promotional things now that you're a two-time defend well three-time champion, two-time defending champ, and angler of the year? Uh not yet.
1: I think um, people are kind of scared to call me right now and ask for that because <laughs> they if they watch my social media, they know that I'm in deer hunting mode. So, um, no, I haven't. I haven't really been slated for any events. You know, um, with the sports show season coming up. Um, I'll be here and there at those just from, you know, my sponsors and stuff. I always have days associated with stuff like that. So um, other than that, I actually went down to the Toyota Series Championship. And one of our Minnesota friends, Kyle Manke, uh Dusty's brother, who you talked to. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, so Kyle was fishing down there. He was fishing for $200,000. And I was on Table Rock Lake where Kyle and I had actually done really well in that million-dollar uh, tournament for amateurs three years ago, I think. Um, so I went down there, and Sims was the presenting sponsor. So the guys from Sims were there, and now currently where I live, that's only five and a half hours from my house. So um, I made the trek down there, hung out with the Sims guys. Kyle, unfortunately, did not win the tournament. But, um, you know, I got to shake hands with the Ranger Boats people who are just north of there and uh, a number of other sponsors that were represented there. Wow.
0: You know, you you mentioned uh, hunting mode. I mean, you were in hunting mode like the day after the National Walleye Tour.
1: (laughs) For sure. Then I got interrupted by that silly fishing tournament, (laughs) and now now I'm smoothing back into it. So
0: you were on an elk hunting trip, right?
1: Yep, right after Devil's Lake.
0: And that was in Montana or Colorado? montana how'd it go it was literally life-changing
1: really um yeah we were hunting some amazing property where there wasn't like tons and tons of bulls but there was really big ones and i don't know if you if you know if anyone who's listening is an elk hunter they know that I, i ended up hunting i think 21 days and there was multiple times I came in where I'm like, my elk hunting life has literally changed after tonight or this morning. And it's just the encounters, they're so amazing that it, I guess naturally for myself, I don't gauge my success on, you know, did I let an arrow fly? Did I harvest a bull? It was just all those encounters where you you get so close so many times on elk and then it just never works out. And um, so I had an arrow knocked, oh man, probably like 40 different times in 20 days, which is, you know, you're getting into bow range. It could happen any second. That's like when you knock your arrow. Um, but it all culminated. I actually went back out there right when I got back from Latvia, there was four days left in the archery season. And I was like, I got this tag. The bulls are kind of done rutting. They're not really bugling anymore, but I got to go. Like I can, I can pull this off. I'm going. And the second last day of the season, I had this giant herd bull that was down by the river the whole time we were there. And it came out with about 10 minutes of legal shooting light left. And it pushed its cows right in front of me to 40 yards in the wide open. And that bull, I was right behind a tree actually, which is a no-no in elk hunting. But I got stuck there
0: and I got out
1: around it to the point where this bull just had to take one more step, and he was in the wide open at 40 yards, and he does a 180, and I was like, "Oh, of course, you know, of course it's not going to work out." And this was a giant. Um, my friend Wayne, who runs the Montana Hunt Company, said the bull was a 375-inch class bowl. and it turns around, and I was like, "Of course, it's not going to work." And then I look at this these two branches. And I kind of do a little mock draw of my bow and I'm like, I can shoot right through there. And long story short, I draw back. I got perfect clearance, it's 42 yards. My, I start hyperventilating after I go through my routine of checking my sight and everything. And then when I finally focus on the target, this giant bowl, my heart just starts, I mean, literally hyperventilating. And I just simply said to myself, I'm like, well, you're in no shape to shoot right now. Mm-hmm. And I just held through that, and I told myself, I said, relax. And I was like, okay, here we go. And I started pulling, and the arrow went off. It surprised me. Another, you know, perfect thing in bow hunting is when the release surprises you. And the arrow literally hit about three inches higher than I was aiming, right in the spot. And the thing dropped down to its hindquarters, and it ended up, you know, I'm like, wow, I just smoked that thing. And it jogs off, and the arrow falls out, and it runs maybe another up to, like, 80 yards and just stands there like nothing happened. And mm. I was just praying that the bull would go down, and my friend Spencer was with me. He was filming it on his iPhone, and eventually we we went out of the field, and we started talking to our friends and showed them a video, and it was kind of like 50-50 if I was going to find this thing because in hindsight what happened was, I tucked the arrow too tight to its shoulder. It hit off its scapula and basically just ricocheted up and ended up maybe catching the top inch of its lung or whatever. And that thing was seen with cows, just chasing cows around uh, nine days later, perfectly (laughs) fine. And it's just amazing how um, four inches three inches back or four inches down and that's like literally the the most perfect elk shot ever but um i don't know i i it's sinking in and it's a it was an amazing opportunity and the reality is i'll probably never have a 375 bull in the wide open with eight cows and they have no clue i drew my bow back all the time in the world that part's super unique but in reality the arrow hit right where i wanted to where, right where i was aiming And that was my own decision to try to tuck it in behind the shoulder instead of shooting back further, where I thought that was more risk of wounding an animal and losing it versus going for the glory, you know, tucking it right alongside the shoulder there. So kind of a a lesson learned, but uh, obviously I was super relieved when I heard from Wayne when he was rifle hunting with his son that uh, the bull was just fine and dandy and they saw it, you know, running around the mountains
0: three-time champion and two-time defending National Walleye Tour champion, John Hoyer, my guest. He's also the current anchor of the year, but we are talking hunting and we'll continue that conversation next. Hi, this is Joel Nelson of Joel Nelson Outdoors with an update for you. Kev Jackson still does not have a clue. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further.
1: I'm Chuck Hasse a Leisure Outdoor Adventures and you're listening to Paul
0: Bunyan Country. National Walleye Tour, National Champ, and Anger of the Year, John Hoyer, my guest, but we're in the midst of a hunting conversation. And John, if you had to pick one, would it be fishing or hunting? I think I have asked you this question before, but I know you you love them both dearly. Yeah, it's got to be, you know, I think it'll always be fishing for me.
1: Um, and currently, you know, hunting for me, archery only, it's just such a cool um, relaxation period. I know that situation I just described I mean that's really intense and the fact that no there isn't a single part of fishing tournaments that seems intense to me at all so this is kind of like an adrenaline junkie um for myself you know it's those adrenaline rushes and it's that um it's kind of that mental challenge of being able to hold it together and be able to laugh at yourself and having the awareness where um I'm not bloodthirsty at all. Like I love animals and I love observing them. And that's the, that's the the best part of the experience for me. So it's a really um, big decision for myself if I'm going to like let an arrow go and it'll show, you know, I film with my friends. We've talked about this before, both my friends from the crush TV. And, you know, like I passed a bull because it had broken a couple of his points off at 35 yards and we're making a television show and you know, there are such good friends where they're just looking at me like, Hey man, that's your decision. Like, that's awesome. And I'm like, I just feel like that thing deserved to be harvested in all his glory. And you know, same thing with bucks. Like if there's any thing that isn't perfect, I'm not chancing that shot. So I guess where I'm going with this is all my enjoyment comes from being in a tree stand, being in nature, which I've always loved my whole life. And then when it comes down to the point of making a shot, you know, those are new feelings I've never felt in my life. That, you know, excited heartbeat, you know, holding it together, extreme focus to overcome that, to control your breathing. All that stuff
0: for me is is super entertaining right now, and that's like an amazing new challenge. Ah, That's awesome awesome stuff. It really is. Um, You, however... Uh, have uh, have a new place to live.
1: <laughs> I do.
0: So you're kind of waiting to go deer hunting there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I moved almost all my stuff down actually back in August, and all I had left was basically what I was bringing to Devil's Lake and then to my Montana hunting trip, which, you know, in essence I live out of my truck for probably five months out of the year anyways, but it was full jam-packed, you know, plus all the tackle in the boat. And it was all, you know, for this basically four-week adventure. Um, But when I got home, flew to Latvia. When I got back from there, then I sold my boat to my buddy, packed up all the tackle uh, in a trailer, and then did the final part of my move down to Iowa. So um, you have to be a resident of Iowa for 90 days until you can start hunting. And I am counting down the days until um, I get to sit in an
0: Iowa deer stand. So as a true blue Minnesotan, I have to ask you, why are you living in Iowa? Well, it's for my <laughs> new love of deer hunting. And um, Yeah,
1: I mean, in reality, I needed to build a pole barn. Um, I wanted to get a 621. I've, I've had a 620 Ranger because that's the only boat that fit my townhouse for the last 15 years of my life. So that was part of it. So the pole barn is up. They're actually putting the garage door on right now. And, um, yeah, I used to live in rural Minnesota and I just kind of feel like I love, you know, the peacefulness of rural USA. And when my friend Lee, finally he, the final thing that he said was like, you of all people should be an Iowa resident. Cause in an essence, it's just a change of address form for you because you're gone for five months, you know, fishing in the summer. And the last two years, I've hunted for, like, three months. So I could kind of justify that. And then the fact that, you know, I'll be in Minnesota for fishing tournaments, you know, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. visiting family and stuff, but to be able to call Iowa my residency and now be able to shoot um,
0: two whitetails a year, it just seems like, why not? Let's give it a shot. Okay. All right. I mean, just, you know, um, as a Minnesotan, I'm going, well, we got all the lakes here, but apparently you're going to be here fishing those lakes regardless. Yeah, for sure. And, (laughs) you know, a lot of
1: my walleye trips are, you know, season-specific to the Great Lakes, Green Bay pre-spawn, Lake Erie, um, you know, and then the Minnesota swing, you know, in May and June. I have a lot of fun and all, you know, Leech, Mille All those lakes, so um, I don't think my fishing time is really going to change that much in Minnesota, Um, and it definitely isn't going to affect how much I, you know, travel for tournaments and stuff for the NWT. So, yeah, um, throwing a little fun farming practices in the spring, and I have a full outdoors plate of activities to do all
0: year now. Wow, that's. Well, and and not not that uh, not that you were being held back that much before either. True, very true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now that uh, you're you're uh, through with the move, uh when do you when do you go fishing again? Well,
1: I'm thinking about cuz I am completely out. We ate all the the walleye I had and perch that I had been accumulating, you know, last ice season, and then You know, I think a Lake Erie trip, we ate those last couple bags of fish I had um, out in Montana. So I might have to make a little trip out to Lake Erie, and now it's only, what is it, six hours away instead of 12? Maybe it's seven. Either way, um, you know, maybe swing out there late November or
0: something and go fill the freezer up a little bit with some walleye. I suppose cutting that trip in half is nice. Yeah, super nice. <laughs> Seems like nowadays if it's a six hour trip, that's like a half day. You know, I can be there by lunch. Right. <laughs> do, how much hard water fishing do you do? Uh quite a bit. You know, the last few
1: years I've I've basically done like a two week trip out to the Dakotas and then I fished Malax quite a bit last winter also. Um the perch fishing was really good out there, so that kind of cut into my later season Dakota trips, basically, because we were just on the lax on the weekends.
0: Mm-hmm. And and you know, obviously, a lot of whether we're going to have a good ice season or not is dependent on when, how thick the ice gets, how the snow falls, how deep it is. Um, it kind of wreaked havoc on a lot of people last year, but um, those who could get out there told me they were catching fish. Yeah, it was fun. It- it was a big surprise to me. So uh,
1: knock on wood, I, I guess from what I saw fishing in Mille Lacs last year, um, in, in, or the, excuse me, this year in open water, you know, I don't really know how many perch schools were out there back in the day when it was the glory days of perch fishing, but I know what my catch rate was through the ice, and I know how many schools of perch I saw swimming around in my boat this summer. So I would have to say that it'll be – Uh, another good year of perch fishing the numbers are there
0: okay um well millax has had uh the last several years have been pretty good years and and obviously the fish populations or the 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 keepable fish populations are getting better because we actually had uh and granted still a one fish limit but it was it was all year long and we'll continue into the winter so um it's it's been a battle on that lake to get you know, the right size fish available, but at least we have the ability to keep a fish for the entire year now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, if Mille Lacs is close to somebody's house and they go out there in the afternoons, you can treat it like I have my whole life. And even when you couldn't keep one, you can go practice up on the Lacs on those catch rates and then be absolutely lethal on any other, you know, Minnesota lake that has a six fish limit or a four fish limit. Because, yeah. I mean, that's why God put walleyes on the earth—is for us to catch and eat. And I agree. And you're not allowed to eat them. There's something wrong there.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, and that's that. Again, is good news. And I know it's a it's a controversial topic, and it's a it's it's a, it's something they're wrestling with all the time. But uh, I, I was I was pleasantly, I, I guess I wouldn't say surprised, but I was glad to see they were able to have a full year. Uh, fish keeping year that so let's hope that's a trend that will continue for sure all right so um if people are going to go out and go fishing right now here in the uh, late fall as the temperatures have dropped precipitously uh what do you recommend they do
1: um honestly this time of year um my my favorite thing has like since i was young had always been after a rain which i know minnesota's kind of had some pretty good precipitation lately but you know anywhere you can find inflowing current um even from shore in your or in your waders um just getting out in that current and you know that november full moon but really anytime there's water flowing uh there's just a standard thing that happens where a lot of those shiners and you know even chubs or whatever they just swim into those current areas and you know it can even be a neck down between lakes um, I used to do that almost every night on Minnetonka in the cities. And it's just a great time of year to catch big walleyes in shallow. So you really only need one lure. It's a shallow running crankbait, um, a Berkeley deep hit stick, or a original floating rapala, you know, something like that, because you're only fishing one or two feet down, you know, on a long cast. And that that's still my favorite way to catch them. Otherwise, um, you know, there will always be male eater sized walleyes that are just out in the deepest water in the lake this time of year and that's you know kind of a fun time for fishing that because then you got a great starting point
0: as soon as you got early ice okay well before we let you go john you have time for a fast 5 sure i can't believe you even have any questions left we've oh. done so many of these oh i know we have but uh, trust me i got a ton more i got a ton okay. more all right i'm ready here we go john hoyer fast 5 one, two, three, four, fast five. Question number one. The old TV commercial said, got milk, so I'll ask you, do you have milk? Are you a milk drinker? I do not have any milk in my fridge right now, no. Wow. Do you ever drink milk?
1: Um, I think it's mixed in with my monthly allotment of ice cream.
0: But <laughs> no, I drink
1: I drink water, but I eat a lot of cheese, so I think... Uh, I think I cover the dairy section. Okay. Pretty well.
0: You you like it a little more solid, a little less liquid. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Question number two, you're at the backyard barbecue, there's burgers and brats. You have to choose one. Are you choosing a burger or a brat?
1: I think I'm gonna go with a brat.
0: Okay. What are you putting on that brat?
1: Uh everything they have available. No? Oh. Definitely sauerkraut and then, you know, ketchup and a brown mustard like golden. That's mm-hmm. my favorite.
0: Okay, nice.
1: Onions.
0: All right. Just whatever there is, you just throw it on top.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay. Question number three. I know you're a young gun, so maybe you don't even remember. Did you ever watch Gilligan's Island reruns growing up? No. Okay, well, then I can't. So the question we always ask for the people of my age and, you know, around my generation is whether you choose Ginger or Marianne, two of the castaway females. So I'll go with... uh, We'll go with a friend's question since you're the young gun. Rachel, Monica, or Phoebe?
1: Ooh, Rachel.
0: I have a feeling if I start asking that question, that's going to be like the runaway winner. I just have to I think so. Fun. It has to be, right? I think it has to be, yes. Yeah. All right. Question number four Star Wars or Star Trek?
1: Uh, Star Wars, for sure. Yeah?
0: yeah. All right. And question number five hockey or basketball? Oh man, I could go on and on about
1: that um, I watch the NBA Finals The playoffs annually I really enjoy it And it's like fast action But if they made hockey If they made the goal just a little bigger Where there was an average of 9 Or let's say 12 goals a game I, I would almost guarantee That would be the most popular sport in the world <laughs> You so. You may be right i love hockey i love watching playoff hockey it's awesome but if those because those uh playoffs coincide so i end up watching basketball playoffs all right who's your team well um i really like the warriors Hard they were yeah they were very fun to watch um I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks, they had a pretty crazy run the one year. So I, I don't know. I just, when I start watching it, that's when I learned who all the players are that year on that team. Mm-hmm. And then you get to know like the grudges and stuff and what team hates the other team. And then like by the second round is where I'm like, those guys are fun to watch. That's my team this year. So it's really just kind of watching all the games and, you know, if you DVR them, you can fast forward them and make them only last about an hour and a half. <laughs> that's helpful. Uh-huh. Yeah. No free throws, no time offs, no commercials. Yep.
0: I think the uh, I think the wolves might make some noise this year. Um the they're, they're, they're top three is 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 healthy if that's the way it stays. They got some depth. I like what I've seen so far, but I am a Minnesota sports fan, so I'm I'm jaded as well. Yeah, I don't blame you. And that's probably why I didn't accidentally mention them. <laughs> All right, John, if we want to keep tabs on what John Hoyer is doing, uh, how do we do that? Uh, The best way is still probably on my
1: Instagram at uh, John Hoyer Fish. And then if your listeners haven't watched Tour Level Gold yet on YouTube, I'm actually kind of jealous, and I guarantee you my friends are too, because there's currently eight episodes out from our first four tournaments, and more media has been very busy hunting. I'll give them credit for that. But they are going to release uh, the first of the last two episodes, which are the Devil's Lake Championship, coming up here in the next week or so. Um,
0: So that's called Tour Level
1: Gold, and that's on YouTube. Okay. I
0: I will have to chase that down and watch that for sure. It's very fun. He is John Hoyer. He is the three-time champion and two-time defending uh, National Walleye Tour champion and the current Angler of the Year as well. Uh, Just got back from Europe uh, as part of Team USA and the Predator Championships and now is uh, spending a lot of time in trees in the woods. Uh, Great friend of the show. Love having him on. John, thanks for taking the time today. Thank you so much, Kevin.